Hello and welcome back to ICS Cyber Talks. Today I have with me, and I have the honor to have uh, Chris Roberts uh, for uh, an interview. Hello, Chris. Hello, sir. The honor is all mine as well, <laughs> definitely, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, it's a kind of, you know, getting to the higher place of this podcast until now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, usually we start uh, very simple with a bio of our guest. Yep. Because if I would start, it would take one hour. So, <laughs> so please do the highlights. The highlights. I think it's the infamous highlights in some ways, definitely. So, oh, let's see. I think I've been in this industry for as long as it's probably been around. Almost. I mean, I started in the '80s when the industry wasn't even really considered, and now here I find myself. Probably you know, when the 40... name cyber wasn't cyber. Oh, it wasn't cyber. <laughs> it wasn't information security. Technology was still in its infancy, and we were still trying to figure out how to use the computers properly. Yeah, just and and it's evolved since then. You know, both on the civilian side, the military, and the government side, for for all these years. And so, uh, yeah, a lengthy a lengthy stint. I think in everything from research through to working inside of companies, working on intelligence, counterintelligence, all sorts of stuff, and you know, spent a lot of time on transportation, spent a lot of time running around all sorts of different types of power stations and systems and you name it. I think almost I've had the the pleasure and the honor and some of the crazinesses of, of breaking into and helping and fixing and and all sorts of other things. Great. So uh, I would start um, giving you some uh, view of uh, I would say the Israeli customer um, because I'm sure that Israel and uh, and the other parts of the world are the same, but still there are some. Oh, definitely some nuances, some yeah. differences. Absolutely. So um, when I'm talking about companies that are not under regulation, mm -hmm. usually, you know, if you're under regulation, the regulation is telling you what to do. Yeah. But companies, and most of them, mm -hmm. are not under a regulation, and especially uh, those that are uh, in the ICSOT, yep. um, others that have BMS, you know, all the buildings, smart buildings and everything. And actually, I think that it went in the head of those companies only in the last 12 months. Until now, you know, it was like, what the hell you are talking about? Yeah. And everything, it's always, it would happen to someone else, not to me. Always. So, yeah. so often. Yeah, so, so often. It's it's somebody else's problem. We would never have that. We're not a target is, is normally right. the, the one I hear the most. So I'm glad to hear that we are not the only one that oh good grief yeah if you know the saying if i if i had a penny for every time said that you know every time everybody looked at me and said well we didn't think we would be the one or we thought we were okay or you know it's unfortunately i mean it, that that's the problem in our industry you know as we react 
and often we react only after something has happened. You know, we never take, we rarely do we take that step back and go, what's, what is, where is the focus? What are our adversaries? What is, what are the nations? What are the, the individuals looking at? We unfortunately, we're, we're such a reactive industry when history tells us, look, if somebody is starting to look inside this area, they're going to continue. And, you know, as an attacker, I, I, I'm lazy. If I can use a simple exploit to break into one thing, I'm going to try it in a hundred other places. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a big, and I don't want to have to use any of my special exploits because I don't have to because you've left the front door keys in there for me. Um, I don't know if you heard about um, the hospital that was break something like uh, six months ago or seven months ago in Israel. And... They just went in through a VPN mm-hmm. that was unpatched yep. for yeah. something like three years. Yeah, it's there's too much of that. I mean, well, and it's you know, you look at industrial control systems because so many of them have been in the sites for so long. The defaults have never changed. Nobody's had to. And and it, if the system, if the company still exists that put the system in place, then the chances are nobody's going to want to change it. Because, you know, the staff have changed, the people have changed, the the crew have changed, and, and it just works. We don't want to touch it. Yeah, We're not going to mess with it. It works. Leave it alone. And unfortunately, that's still the mentality. And, and then we go connected all to the internet. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I recognize in the sea level, uh, there is a pattern like, first of all, ignoring. Mm -hmm. After that, getting in panic if if something happens. Yeah. Then taking an action and only after the thinking. This is the pattern. There's another layer to it. Okay. They'll take the action for a short period of time. Because as humans, more often than not, we don't have long memories. And if I can take an action and I do something and then three to six months later, nothing's happened again, eh, we're fine. So, how do you think that the sea level, and I'm talking about this guy which is, you know, has a big operation, a uh, big factory that he has to manage. And now, what the hell, he needs to start with cyber. As I told you before, it might be that he has a CISO, it might be that he has a CISO as a service. Usually those guys are on the IT side. And when you start talking with them, they're thinking IT, yep. less OT. So... And because we are aiming exactly to, to the sea level, to those guys, how do you think that, that they should start dealing even before, well, hopefully before something happens? <laughs> right. So this is, it's something, and, and I'm living it now, which is really interesting because where I'm at now, I walked in and I came in, I was brought in as the first security person. Now, 
to the credit of the team that's there, thankfully, they'd already thought about a lot of stuff. Charles, who runs it, is amazing, and he thought about a bunch of stuff that is actually the right way of doing it, thank goodness, and the team that's been executing it. But I mean, the first thing I did when I walked in and went, was the first thing I did when I walked in was, it's a simple question, what do we have? Where are the assets? And, and unfortunately, so many companies don't even take that step back. They don't take a step back and go, what do I have? Because once I know what you have, then I know what we can do about it. And typically as well, I mean, the other question is is a very simple one. It's one that we asked in the company is, is as an organization, and it sounds drastic, but when you think about it, it isn't. It's how can I kill you? How can I take the company down? Is it throwing a handful of sand in the manufacturing machine? Is it turning off the, United, the uninterruptible power supply in the data center because it's never been touched? Is it unplugging that computer that you don't know what it does? Is it a financial impact or is it what is it? And so the really the two, the two things to look at is take that step back and, and it's military. Observe, orient, decide, and act. If you don't know what you have, how do you ever know you think you can you can do a better job of protecting or reduce the risks on it? Yeah, of course. I mean, we know this from military. You don't go running into a room unless you tactically understand Mm-mm. what's in that room. So why wouldn't you do the same research and go, I'm going to walk into the building and I'm going to know what it has. And if I don't know what it has, I'm going to find out what it has and then I can actually decide what to do with it. So I think, you know, fundamentally... It's understanding the landscape, the layout, the theater that you're operating in, and, and then you can make some decisions. You know, um, as I said before, CISOs are trying to deal with OT in the eyes of IT. Yeah. And what would you recommend as a toolbox for a CISO to start looking at the OT in the right way? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Uh, for me, uh, and we do, the, again, we're doing the same thing. You know, we have a corporate side and then we're, we're building supersonic jets. So from OT, it's, it's understanding the flow. So it's understanding what do I have? Where does, who does it talk to? Where does it communicate? What should it be doing? You know, and you start taking a look at that. And again, it's a very tactical thing. We we haven't talked about procedures and controls and everything else. We're still looking at tactical, which is understanding what I have, understanding who's communicating with it. But the other part of it with OT especially is who else outside of my control and my domain do I need to be worried about? Is the third-party maintenance company dialing in directly to my device? I mean, you know, we all remember the days of the mainframe. Yeah, of course. We all remember the maintenance on the mainframe was the modem. And we all know the modem telephone numbers to get into the darn things still for the ones that are on the internet. So it's always looking at those guys because if I can build this amazing security and my third party is still coming in <laughs> over a remote desktop protocol or a blasted modem, it's all for nothing. Yeah, actually, a lot of times when we are doing uh, cyber assessment, Mm-hmm we find a lot of those modems and each supplier has his own. (laughs) And, you know, and this is after we sat with the customer and the customer said, 
I'm clean. <laughs> I have no connections. Yeah. yeah. Apart from the bank of modems that are over there that are covered in dust, and we're leaving them alone because everything still works. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be and, the one. And, and in this manner, as you said before, the stuff is changing. And probably the guy that knew what these modems were, yeah. <laughs> the new one doesn't know doesn't about that because nobody was talking about it. Right. Oh, absolutely. We ran into this. Uh, we did some assessment work on trains, on the locomotive systems. And in the United States, and same as over here, you know, you have a length of track and periodically there are little metal boxes. And there are old metal boxes and there are new metal boxes. And then the metal boxes are protected. They are protected by a, by a, chub, uh, by a master lock which lasts 20 seconds to a set of lockpicks, maybe. And you crack it open, and then there's all the technology in there, and half the time they've forgotten what they have. And and again, from an attacker's perspective, not only can I plug a network cable in, but they've also got multiple different frequencies that they talk to the trains on over cellular. They have near-field communications. They have all these other technologies, of which half of them they'd forgotten about because they've been superseded the technology still sits in there and they still use it. And and so when you start to peel back those layers, it's that voyage of discovery, you know, and, and unfortunately that takes time. And so often to your point, if somebody's, if somebody's brought on leadership, they want to know where are we? Are we secure? I mean, I had that conversation with, with our company and they're like, are we secure? And I'm like, no. Well, can, when are you going to make us secure? I'm like, I'm not. It isn't going to happen. What I'm going to do is help you reduce risk. I'm going to help you understand the business risk and the technology risk, and we'll work to reduce it. But I'm not going to be able to make you secure. It doesn't exist. So I think it's, it comes down to those conversations of helping the C-levels and helping the managers, the management especially, because if you come in our job really is to enable the managers and the management team and, and to make them really look good and to help them because they some of them probably know the problems and nobody's listened to them. Nobody has, you know, they've been saying, hey, we got all this old technology, what are you doing with it? But nobody listens to them. So some of it is also helping them have that voice. And, and I think that's a key critical part that sometimes we forget when we walk in as CISOs or anything like that. We like... We want to actually look at the people that are there and go, how can I help that voice be heard now? So that, that to me, is a lot of it as well. One of the things that uh, happened in Israel, and I believe it's in the last six to eight months, um, it's that uh, the directories and the CIOs start to understand they have personal um, the liability, liability, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. personal liability, and this was the big change in Israel. Yeah, because from this minute on, first of all, they start giving money for uh, cyber. Mm -hmm. you no, know, until now it was okay, fine, do whatever you need. This is your budget. Now, when it's a personal issue, yeah, and you can be sued. On uh, on this base, yeah. well, this is something else, and, and we really uh, started to to feel that you know 
it's starting moving. Yeah. It, it, the, the train starts moving and getting out of the station after long years that, well, I, I, I was talking, you know, three years with whoever he could and said, well, okay, nice. Not now. In my priority, probably it's five, six, or eight. Yeah. And this is something that was really a kick in, in, in the Israeli cyber ICSOT, you know. Yeah, like. oh yeah, big time. The U.S. has got a, a similar initiative where there is definitely, uh, there's more responsibility and a lot more oversight from that side. The other thing that the U.S. has added in is they're looking at the board of directors. So the financial industry, especially for, definitely for public companies, but especially also for private ones, is looking at the board of directors and saying, you need to have somebody on that board, in mandatory to have somebody on that board that understands cybersecurity risk that actually understands. So it's either the CISO is on the board or advising the board, or you find somebody on that board who actually understands. I think understands it's risk. great. I'm 100% with you. Now, that also behooves us in cybersecurity to be better at how we communicate and better at actually advising a board and better at talking to the CEO and the CFO because you can't fix everything all the time. You know, we're never... We're never going to be able to fix it all. We're never going to have the necessary budget and everything else. But it behooves us to talk to the board and go, where are the risks of the business? What is the business's plan? Where's the business going in the next couple of the years' time? And how can I build my plan so it works in with that? So I, I love the fact that we are being held more accountable. I, I think it's necessary now. My caveat, <laughs> and we talked about this on the drive up, yeah. is our industry needs to be held more accountable as well. Because if I'm, let's, let's say you're selling me a solution, and my not only is my job on the line, my company's on the line, but now I'm personally on the line, how do I trust, how do I hold you accountable that that solution is going to help me? It, it, an empty promise of it will protect me 100% or an empty promise of it will keep adversaries and attackers out is no longer any good to me. I need you walking right next to me as a partner so that it's done properly. And I think that will, that I'm hoping that the shift in giving the CISO more yeah, responsibility and accountability means that our industry gets held more accountable too. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I believe that uh, came to my knowledge in the last year is that I was selling a lot of solutions, mm -hmm. but in the end of the day, there is no one to sit in the customer side and look at it. Yeah. And this was the reason that we start talking about the MSSP. Because I understood that I am, in Hebrew you say, a white elephant, you know? Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely understood, yeah. So I said, well, I don't want to sell you a solution. I want to sell you a service when my analysts 
would see 24 by 7 and would look at your uh, factory and I would come to you once in two weeks, once in a month, once in a quarter, whatever you want with uh, the materials. I would explain what we see, where are the problems, if, the, if there is something which is uh, really urgent, we would do it much much uh, before. Yep. But in the end of the day, you are covered from the eye perspective. Yeah. There is someone always with eyes on your system. And because of that, for the last couple of months, I'm less talking about solutions. I'm, I'm saying to my customers, look guys, I'm agnostic. Yep. Take whatever solution that you want. Yep. I have no problem with that. The only thing, I would put a sensor that would keep you to my sock, and that's it. Yeah. So th this is a state of mind that even to me, it took time to understand that. Uh, absolutely, yeah, totally. Because everybody wanted to own the technology. You know, they wanted the ta they wanted to go in and touch it. You know, there's my firewall, I can touch it. There's my intrusion detection, and, and it's doing things. And every, unfortunately, again, you, you look at some of the management and some of the leadership in our industry, and it's some of it has been building an empire. The only way I measure success is if I have more people reporting into me. And I'm like, that's, no, you measure success by the fact that you can wake up in the morning and you didn't get woken up in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's, that's, that for me is very much that. And again, we're going through the same thing where I'm at at the moment, which is, you know, I walked in and, and I'm like, we need eyes. When I tell you what we have, I'm going to pull all the logs from it. I'm going to, I'm going to get all the data, but then I'm going to need help understanding that data. And when I've got that data, I'm going to want to continue to get that data and I need help. I need to understand what it does. I need to understand what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly. And I need eyes to do that. So either we as a company can go out and build, you know, 9, 10, 12 people, or we can talk to a managed service, an MSP, MSSP, and go, hey, I need your eyes on it. And I need to know that what you're going to do is, is I only hear about it when there's a, a real problem, or I get the report, I know what's going on. And that's, that is and should continue to be more and more of a thing. It's um, now, the, again, the caveat in the industry, and you mentioned it well, again, is we also don't have enough people helping the client understand how to choose that right managed service. What questions do you ask that managed yeah. service provider? How do you tell the good from the bad from the ugly? So that, I think, is a huge part that we need to also do for clients. Yeah, I, I believe that, well, at least at this stage, there's a lot of marketing around. Yeah. Uh, probably uh, less practice. Yes, yeah. And, uh, but on the other hand... I think that the fact that the big companies, the the, the, the global companies like Cisco and other, yep. um, started to go into the ICS industry. The meaning is that they see a market, they see money, so it would give more um, perspective and more uh, the capability of customers 
to start choosing. Yeah, and and I think it's the other, and you you hit the nail on the head, which is as a company, as if I'm manufacturing, we're manufacturing airplanes. I need to know what the corporate side's doing, but I also need to tie it into the industrial control system. I need to know what my operational technology and my building. I need to know, I need to be able to correlate so that if a light goes on and a computer is turned on, an industrial control system changes and something operational changes that somebody went in the building, they logged in, they did something that maybe they should or shouldn't have done, and these were the actions. And if that is a typical behavior, I have no problem. Yeah. But if that's an abnormal behavior, somebody better tell me, which means... And, and, and probably I must know about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, which means that whatever you're bringing in for a managed service needs to not only know how normal, typical logs come in, but also they need to know how the industrial control logs come in, how the head ends come in, how they deliver the logs. And to your point, there's a lot of providers that are bringing that in, you know, Cisco, the Palo Altos, the checks, and everybody else is realizing that's lucrative, but they need to be able to do it effectively. As you are the closest thing to a hacker that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that I can talk with, I want to go a bit into the, the, the hacker head. Yep. And especially when you're talking about ICS, OT, BMS, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's IT and you have an attack, so the attacker would try to get as much footprint as he can before he's getting out, starting ransomware. And, you know, if he attacks only one computer, go to hell. If he's attacking 6,000 computers, well, this is a new story. Now, when I'm looking at the ICS, I'm saying, look, let's try thinking about how it's working. From computing perspective, I have the HMI. How many of those I have in a factory? 10, Mm -hmm. 15? So, basically... Even if someone is coming and putting some kind of ransomware on them, it would take me two days and that's it. Yeah. It, it would take me three days. Yep. Okay. On the other hand, doing some changes into SCADA and attacking the PLCs and start doing things on the machinery. Yep. I'm saying... Okay, but this is not a ransomware attack. The meaning is that what you are looking for is to do damage. Yes. But if you are doing damage, why should they pay you as an attacker? Oh. Okay, so uh, I'm really curious to understand. If it's a country that is attacking other country, mm-hmm. I can understand everything. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. I want to make your factory, you know, go out of business, and I want to do a lot of noise, and maybe even if it's a chemical uh, factory, to do a lot of problems. And yep. I don't. I I don't know if you saw the. Three days ago, I believe, in Aqaba in Jordan, the, there was... Oh, the um, the, 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 the container. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, It yeah. wasn't a cyber attack. 
I believe so, okay? Right. I don't I can't know, but I, I think it wasn't. Just a normal, yeah. Yeah. And and we all, we always say that in the end of the day, uh cyber attack is like any other mm-hmm. um issue when you're dealing with uh uh life saving and everything. Yep. Okay. So what I'm trying to understand is have a company I have a factory yep why the hell someone would try to attack the OT environment I think it's it's a it's a number of different things um I, to your point ransomware is, is useful but to your point you can you can replace the you can replace the HMIs potentially hopefully yeah yeah um you might be out for disruption for longer depending upon how they are where they are whether you can replace them whether you can rebuild them whether you've got good backups i mean we could get rid of ransomware get good backups i mean that's a simple one yeah but there's other things to me there's other things about it as well and they're longer term things perfect example let's talk shipping yeah you own a shipping company you have 100 ships on the high seas one of them turns over in the port just turns over just just Gills over and sinks. You get a ransomware note. The note says, Hi, that was me. You have 99 other ships. If you want to keep 99 other ships, <laughs> I look forward to you paying me. And I think that's where it comes into play okay. at that point. Yeah. And the same thing with the machines. I mean, if you have a factory, yes, the chances are you can replace those head ends. But you know as well as I do, if I've taken the effort to break in, the chances are I'm elsewhere. So yeah, as soon course. as you replace them, I'm going to break into them again. And we, now we play cat and mouse. Okay, so so it's the threat. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot of it to me. It's the threat or, again, you, you, you hit the nail, you, you said it, which is can I disrupt you? Can I, you're making, you're making bolts. The bolts have a tolerance of a thousandth of an inch. I adjust that tolerance and I don't say a word. And then all of a sudden, all of your bolts don't fit or something happens or they don't pass Q. I mean, all sorts of other things. So how much disruption can I cause to you as well? Buildings, oh, yeah, yeah. Building management systems, how about I hold all of your elevators to ransom? You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. why not? That's fun. I mean, I know one of the elevator companies and I know it all goes on the internet. I, I haven't looked at it, but I'm... I, I would lay money that, that I'd, I'd, I'd put a co- good cup of coffee on the fact that we could probably do something. And now I have access to all of their elevators across the globe. So what can I do to them? I, that, that would be a fun one. Let's stop everybody on the 13th floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, th- th- this is a good view. And, <laughs> and probably, um, yes, yeah. because... I had over here, I don't know if you know him, a very nice guy by the name of Daniel Heinrich. He's the the oldest uh, guy in cyber uh, of OT. Yeah. Very mature, very knowledgeable. Yeah. And one of the things that he said, he said, look, attacks on ICS OT as OT, there are very few. Yeah. Most of the attacks that make the stop of the factory wasn't attack on the ICSOT. Right. In the end of the day, you're right. 
the factory didn't work. Right. And then we got to, to all the supply chain issue. Yes. Because that's... I believe today this is the big issue. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking at uh, American pipeline, colonial pipeline. Colonial pipeline, yep. Over there, it was a classic yep. uh, supply chain attack. Yep. They didn't touch even one PLC, one HMI, one nothing, even one car. Yep. Okay, but in the end of the day, those guys didn't work for 14 days, I oh, believe. Oh, it was a long time, yeah. And and because they hadn't tested backups, because they hadn't done any incident response. I mean, incident response planning. I mean, it, again, one of those simple, simple things that we, we, we fail to do. Why don't we sit around a table with coffee, with food, and go, what happens if I do this? It's so simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the pipeline one was an interesting one. I my frustration with that one, and we touched on it at the very beginning, which is the organization knew it had problems, and it was it wasn't a priority. It wasn't something they felt they had to deal with. So the leadership, the teams, either it wasn't effectively communicated, or the teams themselves just decided it wouldn't be a priority until it had to be a priority, at which point it was too late. And I think it was the fact that they knew about it for so long before doing something about it. I, I have at that point, I have no sympathy. So, let's go now to the other side, to the IR. Mm, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I'm telling my customers and everyone else is, guys, if you're bringing someone. When you have an attack, when he never was around, he doesn't know the infrastructure, he doesn't know the facilities, <laughs> it would be better not to do nothing. Oh, 100, especially, especially when you're dealing with, uh, with ICS, SCADA systems, OT systems. You can do so much more damage if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know how to handle them, you don't know what they're capable of doing. I remember watching somebody in horror once scan, run a, a regular Nessa scan against an OT system. And I just watched half the factory just fall down because, because the, the controllers couldn't take it. They're not designed. They've got, they, they have one thing to do. And that's to make sure that something stays open or stays closed. It doesn't need to do anything else. So when you send it a whole bunch of data and ask it a thousand questions in, in half a second, it goes, and, and dies. Why did you do it? Well, we needed to understand the vulnerabilities. No, you didn't. No, you've just caused the vulnerability. And so, yeah. This so is the reason that most of the system that I know are sitting in a passive way that are taking for a port mirroring yep. everything and they are not doing any kind of active query. Yeah. In OT, it's craziness because if you're doing that, you can stop PLCs like nothing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, that's, an, that's a very, very nice attack vector, but there are ways to deal with that. But yeah, you're right. I think if if the first time, I, we always talk about it, and in, in if the first time that you are going to practice an incident is when the building's on fire and that's when you reach for the yellow pages to find out who to, who to actually call, it's too late. It's, it's so, so, so too late at that point. 
So if I'm right now a CISO, maybe a CIO, CEO, and I would like to build to myself the right um, group. Yeah. Not necessarily my people. Mm-hmm. I can buy part of the services. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> let's see if I'm thinking in, in the right way. So, I would put systems that would give me, uh, well, I would start with some uh, checkout. Yep to make sure that I understand what is happening. Uh, before of that, recognizing my assets, mm-hmm. my business assets, yep. everything. Then I would take um, a kind of companies that would escort me. Well, I would put a system with anomaly and uh, IDSs, what mm-hmm. we call, yep. okay? Um, a company that would escort me if I don't have my own SOC. So they can look after they can the, the look after. Yeah. And at the same time, I would start bringing an IR team to learn yep. my factory, business, whatever, but they should know that if I have an attack, they would start doing whatever they need to do before they come even to the factory. Yeah. They, they can start from remote from my point of view. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, your logs and your monitoring and everything is remote, so they should be able to have access to that. I mean, again, one of the first things we do when we go on site from incident response, one of the first questions is, where are your logs? And unfortunately, most of the time, the company's like, ah, well, we were going to get around to doing a little <laughs> bit more than, and you're just like, and so that point, that's where I love it because you're right. They can get hold of the, the, the network operation, security operations center and go, give us the logs and we'll start looking at them or give us access to the system. Yeah, it's, I, I think there's more to it as well, which is if you bring in an incident response team, you also understand where you are. You know, it's it's back to the military conversations. You know, you don't hand somebody, when you're going through basic training, you don't hand somebody a loaded gun and expect them to know what they're doing with it. You hand them something else that's not going to hurt you or them. It's that crawl, walk, run, dry fire, live fire mentality. So if I bring somebody in, it also helps me understand where am I? What, what's my baseline? What, and then you have that baseline, so now you know what you have to do. But it also helps you when you go talk to the rest of the the senior leadership team, when you talk to the management and you talk to the board of directors, you go, hey, this is where we were, and this is where we're going, and this is how we're getting there. And that incident response team can do a really nice job of helping you understand what you know and what you're missing. And they don't have to be complicated. You bring them in quarter of a day, a half a day, a whole day, you do it with the IT team. You do it with the technology team. Then you do it with, you know, the 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 compliance team and the regular team and the leaders. And then you bring leadership in as well. And so it's that education part that goes with it. And and as long as you keep telling the business and you help them understand, it's invaluable. It's absolutely invaluable. I think that uh, 
also the idea of the recovery. Because in the end of the day, after you have an attack and we stopped it, and everything is nice, mm-hmm. we start to recover everything. We do. And the recovery stage... No, there are a lot of arguing about if you need to bring in some special, you know, people to do uh, all to to manage the the accident, okay? Or do it before, know where you stand. Yep. Have a good playbook. Yep. Have a good guy that uh, or girl that knows resilience. Yep. And then probably you save yourself 90% of the problems. Absolutely. And a lot of the cost. I mean, you know as well as I do. I mean, the cost of an incident response team getting called out and the time and the legal and everything else that you have to go through, it's crazy. I have a a good friend, uh, Anat Melon. She's a resilience uh, specialist. Mm. She was doing calculation, uh, and she said that it would be around 500K um, if you have an incident and and, and you need to take care of it. And everybody was saying, nah, it can't be 500K dollars. It's too much. And after that, after some thinking, yeah, she was underestimating. Oh yeah, absolutely. The if I remember my statistics correctly, and and somebody on the internet can probably correct me on this one, but I think like Ponymon, FBI, and a few others have said that the average global cost of an incident now is around four million U.S. dollars. So, what are we? A third, or is it? I can't remember which way around it is. Yeah, we'd have to do the shekel conversion. I can't remember. Oh yeah, well, multiply it by four. Yeah, it's okay. It's a lot. I mean, it's it's, and I think that's where. And again, to your point, businesses are like, oh no, 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 it's not. I'm like, okay, now let let's talk about this. We'll talk about the lost productivity. We'll talk about everything else. We'll talk about the fact you still got to pay wages to people. We'll talk about the fact that the lawyers, not just your lawyers, but the external lawyers, oh, and by the way, the lawsuits that are going to follow. We're going to talk about the compliance, the regulatory. We're going to talk about the fact that that three-year plan that I've been trying to tell you about, you've got six months to put it in place. And that's it, which means you're going to pay for more people and more process. And by the way, the technology that you were going to spread over and amortize over five years, no, you're paying for that right now up front. And all of these, all of these, all of these. I mean, it just, the, having been in this for so many years, um, I mean, it's crazy how much the costs just mount up if you haven't taken the time to prepare. There's an English saying, and I think I'm getting it right, which is it's an ounce of prevention to a pound of cure. And it's uh, it's like that, like a 16 to 1 ratio. And and it's crazy. You know, it's... Yeah, and it's always, you know, I'm coming to someone and said, well, this is too much money. Yeah. yeah and I said, yeah. okay, fine. How much it would cost you if you don't put it? And, and and it's hard. It's still hard um, because you have 
a group of people who didn't talk about that, or a group of rules, which are the COO, the old operational guys. Yeah. You said at the beginning that leave it as it is, don't touch nothing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it works. Don't mess with it. I mean, yeah. that's been the mentality. And now you're coming to them and say, well, guy, it's right that it's not something that you deal every day, but it's your ability. Yep. If you want it or not. Yep. Because in the end of the day, you are the one that needs to make sure that this factory is working. And in the bottom line, that this factory is doing money. Because everything is around that. Yep. In the end of the day, everything is around everything. doing money. Oh, absolutely. Unfortunately, but everything is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the problems um, in the way that CISO uh, are treated uh, or cyber experts are treated, it's that your success is that nothing happened. But if nothing happens... Why we, I need you? How do we measure that success? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, again, ironically enough, we had this conversation last week back in, back in my neck of the woods. And I, it brought back some horrible memories of, you know, we justified the firewall by telling people how many hits the firewall had on it. And then we justified the intrusion system by telling you how many things it stopped. And I had a conversation with somebody who was like, well, well can we just have the metrics? How many attacks have we had from whatever country? And I'm like, billions. I'll tell you right now, billions. I'm like, I don't need to look at it. Well, how many times have we been attacked? Yeah, in the last five minutes, probably a few thousand. And you could see the look of almost like horror, disbelief, and awareness. And I'm like, those are not the metrics we need to be talking about. There's other things that we should measure ourselves by. Um, and, and it's, again, it's one of those conversation things. It's, they come from a very, very financially focused background. And so how do I change what you consider the metrics you measure by into something that I know is more effective to help measure us by? And so conversations, but yeah. Um, what would be the measure by your opinion? Uh, to me, a lot of it comes down to maturity. And it, it's, it's that risk matrix and maturity matrix. Um, and it's, it's a, it's, I mean, we've had it for a long time. So, you know, a perfect example is a process. So is it ad hoc? You know, yeah, it just works. Well, great. So you don't really have a mature process. Well, let's look at it differently. Is it written down? Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Fred's got it over there in the cupboard. Okay, we'll give you a one on the maturity. All the way through to the other end of the scale, which is we're mature to a point where we are the ones lecturing the industry on maturity. It's like, well, now you got that sorted out. So if you take an evaluation of that across a company, and you go whether it's security or whether it's business or how did I help? How can I help manufacturing become more effective? How do I help compliance become successful? So when you start looking at that on a maturity standpoint, you now have a really, really good set of metrics to go by. And it's simple. It's a one through five scale. And you can use 
the NIST cybersecurity framework and use 853, 171. I mean, pick your pick one of the 101 compliance regulations, but you can still build a maturity model that very easily and quickly can be read by management, leadership, the board, and they understand where we were. You get that baseline. Now, where are we going? Where do we want to be? Where do we have to be? And it's so simple and so effective. What is happening right now on the regulation side uh, in Europe, in the US? Because one of the things that I'm saying over here all the time, yeah, is, from my point of view, cyber attack is a terror attack. The only way to deal with that is to treat it the same. Because, look, in Israel we are talking, well, not, not now, Last year, we were talking on one of five businesses. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't know other measurements in the world, but yep. one to five. Yep. Now, if you're talking about companies that have a lot of money and have the, the, the efforts and everything to do whatever is needed, it's very nice. Yeah. But if you have a small shop and you have some e-commerce, and they're taking you down. Yep. And they'll come and say, not much. Give me $5,000. Yep. $5,000, it's probably, is what you are doing as a profit. Yeah. Monthly. Yep. So they ki- they're killing you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, only attacking the, 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 the infrastructure, the critical infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Talking about... Because when a country wants to deal with something, they need to say, okay, this is a problem. I would have a couple of rules that from now on, if you're doing that, it's not going to be like, you know, with my finger. Right. Okay. And I know that in the U.S. they were doing something like this, well, not too deep, but still that they started with, if you are attacking a critical infrastructure, this is terror. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The problem, and, and we know this unfortunately, is, is who do we blame? Who do we, who do we blame? Um, who, do we, who do we direct that threat or those actions against because it's that's so in all the years we've been doing cybersecurity we still can't tell whose hands are on the keyboard on the other end let alone what their actual motives are you know i was i i had a, a fantastic it was it was obviously today at, at cyber we were you know at cyber week and we were having the conversations about attribution. Um, and because there are certain threat actors, you know, we all know the countries that, that are leveled against Israel. We know the countries leveled against the United States. Now, the question then becomes one, if I'm going to attack Israel, do I attack it through an Iranian compromised computer? Do I attack it through a Chinese compromised computer? Do I write a program 
in Farsi and use that to attack you with, and then I obfuscate where I'm attacking you from, and then somebody else takes the blame. You know, and I think that's where it gets hard. We, we as humans, we when we get wounded in the physical world or the digital world, the first thing we want to do is blame somebody. Yeah, of course. And and in America especially, I mean, the first thing we want to do is grab the gun and go after them and <laughs> bless their little cotton socks. So that, that We can't do that. Number one, we can't do it because we don't know who. But number two, unfortunately, we can't do it because as an attacker, I'm not just going to attack you one way. You come after me, I'm going to take you down a different way, and I'm going to come after you in three or four other ways. And we're not prepared for that. You know, we're not prepared enough to actually defend ourselves effectively, let alone counterattack. Um, but I absolutely agree. It's And again, the U.S. will use, because I, I know the statistics over there, there are, I think it's 30,000 or 300,000 large companies but there are 30 million small to medium businesses. If I put my attacker hat on, I'm going after those small businesses yeah, and course. I'll take $5,000 out of each single one of them because it's easier and better for me than it is attacking one large company. And as an industry, we haven't focused on the small businesses. We haven't easily figured out how to protect 30 million companies. We, we can sell all day to the 30,000. We're really good at that. But we don't have a good way. We haven't figured out how to scale some of these solutions to that. And that, and that to me, that's wrong. We, we have to do a better job of that. Yeah, I had over here uh, Eddie, which is the CEO of uh, Minerva Labs. Mm. And uh, one of the things that he was giving us as an example, and, and I like it very much, he said, Look, if you are a robber, mm -hmm. you want to go into a bank. Mm -hmm. You are going to one bank and you see that they have 200 cameras, three guards, because they are big. Yep. But you have another branch, which is in a small city, maybe one or two cameras, an old guy which is uh, sitting over there under uh, yep. to the door. Yep. There is no even... Two, you're not thinking two times where to go. No, absolutely not. Especially, especially if I can drive around that little city and take three or four banks out using exactly the same mask and technique and the stolen car and everything else. Why would I? It's easier. It's less risk. The chances are they're going to blame somebody local. And the chances are even if they catch me, I'll get a slap on the wrist. <laughs> and I mean, that's that's the problem as well. If we can catch the people, if we can do the thing, unfortunately, in most cases, the penalties are do not aren't sufficient for what's actually happening. And I don't think they will go forward. I mean, we touched on it a little bit about industrial OCS and building control systems. Those are going more and more and more into critical life situations yeah at some point it is no longer reboot the computer it's what do we do with the human that's just been ransomware how do we deal with the life support system that no longer works how do we actually at what point in time do we cross to that barrier and we have to deal with those consequences yeah i totally agree with you um 
one of the last thing that I want to talk about, mm-hmm. and I, I I really like this issue because you know it's it's a bit more to the future. Yeah, I know that in uh, Europe in the US it's much more uh, already in 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 the way. I'm talking about the industry 4.0, a lot of names. and But in the end of the day, very simple. I'm taking information from my facilities. I'm sending that to the internet. Someone is doing something over there, sending me bad information, said, okay, now you need to do this change on this PLC, some change over here, some change over here because still it's not one-to-one connection. Mm -hmm. But the meaning is that we, if we until now closed ourselves, gapped ourselves, you know, I'm air-gapped, well, we know that already there is no air-gapped, but okay, (laughs) I'm air-gapped and everything, and everything that I'm sending is through diodes, and very nice. And now I'm saying, okay, now I am opening everything, yeah. Because I want to do optimization, and optimization, it's because it should reduce my costs. Yes. How do you see it? <laughs> Terrifies me <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Terrifies me. Uh, one of probably one of the the starkest examples is predictive maintenance and predictive yeah. failure. We see it in. Motors, engines, ships, machines, all these things that are taking all the temperature readings and engine readings and sending them to a third party, which goes, oh, no, you need to shut it down now before it breaks, and and we'll look after it. We'll do maintenance on it. I, as an attacker, I want to get right in the middle of that stream and start sending fake data. I want to send data that says every single one of your machines is about to blow up, at which point you get the phone call going, shut them all down. (laughs) Nothing's wrong, but I've stopped you from working. I want to go to the airlines and look at all of the engines that they do predictive maintenance on and say fan number seven is faulty on every single one of them. It'll ground the entire fleet. I haven't broken into anything. I haven't damaged anything, but I've made the data work for me and against the organization. So that to me is a huge one. Not only the fact you've opened up. I mean, you've opened up a very vulnerable architecture. You, We haven't put sufficient controls in place. We haven't put sufficient protections in place, let alone know what everything that we have. But now the very data that we're sending can be used against us. And we're sending it to those very same third parties that we trusted. We didn't ask, or maybe once upon a time, we asked them if they have a compliance certificate. (laughs) And you and I both know that out of the thousand computers that that third party has in its data center and its computer rooms, everybody's using it, only 10 of those computers have to be in compliance because the other 900 fall out of scope for some reason, apparently. So, yeah, it terrifies me. It absolutely terrifies me. I, I believe that one of the things that needs to be, and quite urgently, it's start building some kind of uh, architecture that would take in consideration all of these. 
if it's by, you know, encrypting everything that, you know, even in like the old days in the army that yeah. you have to encryptors. Yep, yep. Yes, and they change on a regular basis. Yeah. And the key rotates and this changes and that, or whatever it needs to be. I... I actually make life a bit harder. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I don't stop giving me that that bottom rung on the ladder, the low hanging fruit. I think it's. It was actually interesting at the Cyberweek conference. There were a couple of there were a couple of companies in the startup pavilion. It was actually really nice. There were a couple of companies in there that gave me a little bit of hope. Um, and there's another one that I'm talking with that actually does some interesting stuff with data in motion like integrity and a few other things. There's some good ones. But Very nice. Yeah, we have to do so... I mean, we have to start somewhere. It's where I go back to the assets and maturity and just simple stuff. Yeah. But you look at where the future is going and you look at it back to what we were talking about. I need to know the office, the building, the architecture, and I want all that data coming in somewhere. We have to get better at handling that data effectively. My dear friend, we came to the end. It was real fun. And the last thing that I would ask you mm -hmm. is what would you like that our listeners would take from this conversation? I, for me, and it's something I would love to have on my tombstone, which is ask one more question. That's it. Whether it's you're talking to a vendor or a supplier or you're talking to somebody on the phone who pretends to be somebody or you're looking at our industry, I just want people to ask more questions. And if they don't know the questions to ask, they can get hold of you, they can get hold of me. I'm easy to find, you're easy to find. There's some amazing voices in this industry that will help, just help you ask the right questions. That's it couldn't ask for a more intensive uh, end. Chris, thank you very much for your time. It was great. I was, it was a pleasure, really. Ab same great here. pleasure. Absolute honor and a pleasure. Fantastic to be here. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you.